Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Following on last week's interview in which we spoke with Mark Pitchford, the Chief Marketing Officer of eSurance, we continue this week with another company who is investing heavily in the direct-to-consumer space. I'm so excited to be sharing my conversation with Tim Naibo, the co-founder of Vincero Watches. This is an interview I think you're really going to like, not only because of the story of how Vincero is breaking into a centuries-old luxury industry via DTC, but also just because of Tim's perspective as the founder of the company, a great entrepreneur with some great tips for us. We talk about a number of important topics, which I'll summarize briefly here. We level set with Tim's journey to founding Vincero. We talk about why watches specifically. We talk about his theory on audience. We talk about their work with brand advocates, influencers, and amplifying the efforts of their customers when it comes to their content strategy. We talk about Vincero's strategy in a world where there are multiple first movers into DTC within the industry, creating competition. We touch on a few upcoming ways in which customers' content will continue to be amplified. And as always, we get some tips from Tim on how to become more authentic in messaging, as well as just a flavor of that entrepreneurial spirit he brings every day. Like I said, I think this is really interesting because this niche in particular is in its first chapter of going direct to consumer. And Tim and I agree that all industries will eventually go there. But since this category is slightly more advanced than others, it's great to hear his perspective about how it's now finally time to get direct. So let's talk about that with Vincero Watch's co-founder, Tim Naibo. Okay, I'm so excited today to be joined by Tim Naibo, the co-founder of Vincero Watches. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing well, Adam. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you on and to discuss uh, a couple very important topics with you. Lots to cover. I really enjoyed the fact that we have connected here. Uh, and I think this is a particularly interesting category when you talk about existing players and players new to the space. So I can't wait to jump into the ins and outs of all of that. But I'd like to start off basic. Let's level set with your journey to founding this brand. Yeah, so just, you know, a little background for anyone that's listening. Uh, when we graduated from university, we ended up moving to China. What we'd always wanted to do for a long time was figure out how to manufacture products. Um, with, you know, an eye down the road on starting your up, starting up your own brand. But in the beginning, really, our motive was just to learn, get, get our hands dirty, understand how companies were going about manufacturing products, um, so when it came time to, you know, really dive in um, on our own thing, we would be able to do that. So, you know, when we started out over there, it was uh, a lot of failures, um, understanding really from the ground up how to build a product. Um, we had tons of different experience in terms of the types of products we kind of got involved in, but, uh, involved in actual manufacturing um, in, in those early years. And a lot of that is because you're kind of working at the middleman. So the products aren't necessarily up to you. And then uh, from there and getting into Vincero, actually, we started when we were making Vincero initially, a watch was our first product, but we weren't initially stopping there. We actually were crowdsourcing tons of products in the menswear space. So everything from like briefcases, wallets, um, belts, 
watches and all that kind of stuff. And we've actually niched back down to a focus on watches and sunglasses and bracelets and accessories, essentially. Um, so that's kind of how we got here. Seems like a lot of uh, a lot of testing, a lot of learning, and certainly seems to have to have hit upon a really really successful uh, product and a successful journey thus far. One which has garnered uh, plenty of of followers, a very large following. In fact, I was aware of Vincero before before we had connected even, and uh, was was pleasantly surprised to to have this conversation and get this conversation started. I wanted to ask a quick question about now that you have discovered uh, this fit for Vincero and built uh, this following. You wrote in Forbes last December about followers and followings in general. And specifically, you were comparing that of a million person following and a hundred thousand person following and saying that you might prefer the hundred thousand person following given a few specific traits of that following. Can you expand on that a little bit? I think we can bring you internal to give you a picture of how we kind of talk about priorities in our company and that will shed some light on what you kind of just mentioned. So when a lot of people will think about social media um, and goals on platforms that, you know, our social media platforms, the easy and quick thing that will come up will be, I want to get, a follower amount to here, right? But if that's your ultimate goal, like we, we'd always, I'll ask my social team, like why, why will that actually help us? And what we actually want to uncover is the value ads we're actually trying to give to our followers. So if I'm trying to actually build a company based on loyal fans that aren't just a number on a platform, but they're actually engaging with us, um, they're generating word of mouth by choice, um, and they're choosing to not just look at us every now and then, but they're choosing to make us a part of their lives. Um, that's, that's, that should be a guiding factor for a brand if you actually want to be around and not just a flash in the pan. And so we focus a lot more of our conversation when it comes to social or brand marketing or engagement or anything like that, really on the depth of a relationship with a follower, more so than on the amount of followers. And the thing is, if you do that right, it will lead to more followers. And so I, I think a lot of that is just a focus on what's a priority for the brand. Um, and that focus should drive where you spend your time and where you invest um, your time and stuff like that. Yeah, I was I wanted I was hoping for a great expansion there and, and I read it myself, that mindset of what what I'd like to call quality and then quantity. And I'm sure that certainly has an impact upon the way you're doing social and the way you're doing digital marketing in general. Well, how has been building that passionate fan base you think differed from somebody who's just going after a number? Does it come down to tactics, to channels, to type of content? How does it differentiate in your mind? In all honesty, I think it helps simplify the process. So if I go out and tell you, hey, we our ultimate goal is to gain another 150,000 followers how would you kind of go about doing that? It can seem very unattainable. Um, and then because it is such a large, large goal, you can find yourself cutting corners, coming up with different ways to fluff your numbers, so to speak. Um, you can be doing things that, for example, you can be running contests um, that, sure, they do aid in your follower content or, or your follower account. However, in the long run, with the contests you're running, the partners that you're running them with, who are those actual followers that are knocking that number up? Are they going to, are they the types of people that are going to be around, around for the long run? And if they're not, 
then it's both going to hurt your engagement stats as you go forward. And then that follower count will slowly decrease because they're not going to be engaged with you and the content you're producing on a day in day out manner. And so I honestly think it simplifies the process understanding, okay, what is the actual, actual substance I'm trying to create with the following I'm going to try and build? Because if you nail that question, the follower count will take care of itself and you'll find yourselves more and more opportunities as time goes on that really fits that new, new opportunities and places where you can partner with people that you're going to be bringing in followers that are going to be around for the long run, the followers that want to hear what you have to say. Um, and that's, those are the followers that make an impact. And so, you know, I, I think the vanity idea is obviously a huge part of what social has become. But in my opinion, when things are now getting more and more competitive for eyeballs from everything in digital media, taking it back to the basics with a focus on relationships and really trying to do what the, what the platforms were supposed to do in the beginning was drive social interaction. Um, and from a brand standpoint, that really means going above and beyond trying to understand who you are talking to, who you are trying to talk to, and really day in, day out trying to relate to them. Um, and if you can do that well, in the long run, I think you're going to win out. I think you're going to get more reach. Um, and like I said, in the long run, probably more followers. So um, I think it helps simplify things and really focus on day in, day out what you actually need to be focusing on and not just a big number that's not really tied to the bottom line of your business or anything like that. Well, I think that's a great perspective in building those relationships first. I talk about it all the time, and, and longtime listeners of this show will know that that is a very common theme with robust and responsive followings. Building those relationships is very important, and um, I also really liked your comment on having these social platforms out there and you know using them for their originally intended purpose uh, and building these relationships really from inside out and ground up. I want to talk about partnerships for one moment because... I've been aware of Vincero personally for about a year, and I was first made aware when uh, a creator that I really enjoyed following on YouTube named Cody Co. Uh, did a partnership with Vincero, made uh, a video, made a, a little music video to go along with it, comedy style, uh, pretty funny stuff, and uh, got me interested in this brand. And I have to imagine that partnerships like that are really, really helpful. So I, I'd love to know your uh, take on using sort of these influencer-type folks to help boost the brand and build the relationships. And then also, uh, I would love to know about how, especially for a, a brand up and coming in this in this centuries-old category, uh, the guiding principles that, that you employ, either in relationships that you build with these influencers or in relationships that you build with customers uh, to help uh, Vincero get better at putting those relationships at the center of your content strategy. In, in terms of the first stuff in working with influencers, it, it, it's a huge strategy um, for us, but there's a few caveats that are extremely important to make something like that work um, for the brand and the consumers alike. An influencer is powerful for a brand if they have influence over their audience. Right, and that goes back to the the relationships that we talk and that we're trying to strive to develop as a brand in and of ourselves. But an influencer is only as strong as its influence over the audience. The, the the place where we start as a brand and trying to find influencers is really going back to what we kind of just talked about is understanding our customers and who they are. So if we can understand what their interests are, 
where they're spending their time on different platforms, and then who are they spending their time engaging with. And then there's a difference between all influencers, right? So we'll, we'll operate, especially for us, say on our male demographic side, within the car space, within the men's fashion space, all these different um, spaces. But like I said in the very beginning of this, not all of these influencers are created equal for us. Um, but in terms of locating those niches, it always starts with an understanding of our customers. And uh, <clears throat> we'll see by the actual results of, a, of an influencer partnership by how spot on we were with both the interests of our customers would also translate to an interest in this influencer. And then this influencer actually has a really strong connection with his audience to make it a lasting partnership between him and our company. And so that's kind of first things first starts with understanding the customer where they would be spending their time and then diving into the influencers that actually seem to have a genuine interaction going on with their audience. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. It makes great sense. And the second part I'll just remind you is how does this extend, this mentality extend to amplifying the efforts of the customers that you have who, who love Inchero and who display that across their own followings? Yeah, so I'll almost take it back to that beginning. You know, it starts with that actually. As a brand, your customers want to see you be involved in the parts of their life that they're already interested in. And so if we can, if we can integrate ourselves in the places where they're spending time, and then work on collaborations that will strengthen not only their viewpoint of us, but in the long run, we can really coordinate between, can we create cool content with people that they're already following? Can we use our customers to really generate user-generated content that amplifies the interest that they have outside of just shopping with our product? It kind of helps us take that conversation to the next level, which is super important for us because and it, you know, everyone that gets everyone gets emails these days, and you'll notice so many companies are always about product, 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 product. The more that you can understand about your customer, their interests, and their likes, even beyond your product, it helps to take that interest um, or that interaction with both your content as a brand and just the relationship and way to translate this knowledge of the customer throughout the entire company. And so, one of our goals as a, as a company is. Through every aspect of our brand, we want to be customer-centric and customer-focused first. And so with the learnings that we'll, we'll garner in, say, influencer marketing, we'll use those learnings and how we interact with people on customer service. And then we'll take those learnings and we'll find new marketing opportunities based on what we've just learned. And then we'll translate those learnings to probably contests and how we're driving engagement on social. And so it's the, this customer-centric mindset and always focused on really building this customer relationship um, over the long run is that the, is the main pillar in our, uh, in our business and really what guys with every decision we try to make. I will say this though, I, I, I want people to know that when we're trying to operate within a mindset like this, we are by no means perfect, but it's a great exercise to use when you're actually, you know, our, our, one of our strategies too is just get better day in day out. Um, and so we're definitely not in a place where we're like, we are the ultimate customer-centric brand. We're not in a place where like all of our marketing strategies are spot on. But it's a never-ending process for us. Uh, we're learning things week in, week, week out. Um, and I think that's what's important for brands today, right? To want to strive to have a relationship and then work on testing new ways, new strategies that can hopefully develop that over the long run. Well, it's on that topic 
of continuously improving, especially in a well-defined industry, in a well-defined category, that I come to my next question, which is about partly the folks I've talked to previously, but mostly this concept of getting direct, going direct to consumer in an industry that was not for so, so long. Because typically on this show, when I've spoken to top marketers about building authentic influence per the title of the show, they're generally operating in industries where they are the first mover in direct to consumer, where it's not yet permeated the industry. And I perceive watches to be in the first chapter of that. But of course, there are multiple simultaneous say, first movers. You you know, you have folks like Daniel Wellington, you have folks like MVMT who are also investing heavily into this type of business model. How does that, that I would say maybe heightened competition in comparison to other legacy industries which haven't gotten there yet, how does that impact the way that you leverage content and that you build your following and your influence specifically? That's a great question and it can trip you up. In my experience or, you know, just in my mind, it's, it's super important for a brand, and, and it's important to establish that, a brand, because a brand needs to have a personality. It's super important as a brand to understand who you are as a brand and who you want to be and what your ultimate goal is in developing that and making your brand mean something. When you spend tons of time looking at the competition and using that as a main strategy to try and differentiate yourself from the competition, it's a dangerous fork in the road where you start almost operating in a way where my guiding force is trying to be different from the people out there instead of my guiding force is trying to be us. In that, in that latter um, guiding force is trying to be the best you, I think that is ultimately going to become your most powerful differentiator. And this has taken us a little bit to learn because of like what you said, multiple companies out there at the exact same time um, and there's a lot more than actually that you just brought up, have been going at this kind of old traditional market, you know, luxury watch market space. However, what we found out, the ones that have the conviction to actually want to change something have the most staying power. And that, can, that, that want and that will can only come from who you want to be as a brand in the long run. And you let that answer guide your decisions is what we kind of talked about earlier in this interview. And I think that is so important because it is so easy. And we found ourselves doing this, going around in circles. What does that mean? Okay, should we do that because a company like X, Y, or Z is doing this other thing? Should we? Should our ultimate goal go out is to be different? And I, and I think, no, it shouldn't be. There might be some overlap. But again, especially in building a direct-to-consumer brand, it's important for people to understand what D2C is. And for us, it is nowhere as simple as saying we cut out the middleman. In our opinion, direct-to-consumer means direct-to-consumer all throughout every business, um, every aspect of your business. So from developing products to, yes, how you distribute them direct to a consumer's door, but also how you service the customer. Um, we do it with all in-house teams and things like that. And then really getting user-generated content at the heart, uh, to act as the heartbeat of your marketing. Um, there's so much more that goes into be, being like a true DSC brand. And I think that will show in the long run. Yes, markets are being disrupted, but the stayers in each of these markets have to be operating at a higher frequency than just we cut out the middlemen. Um, and that really, that answer needs to come from the brand themselves, right? Who do you, what, 
any brand goal in terms of marketing and growing your business is trying to make the brand stand for something. And so having that answer as a brand and let that be your guiding um, pillar is, in my opinion, essential for weathering the storm if new upstarts do come in or whatnot. Um, you have to be able to turn to yourselves for the answers and let those answers guide your decisions and not predominantly what the market is doing. Um, so that's kind of my opinion. I know, you know, there was a lot there, but I get asked that question a lot. And I, I just think it's very discouraging for some people that are maybe trying to start brands. Um, and when they hear that, oh, someone is already doing this, it almost instills an idea that if someone is operating in a market, then you probably shouldn't, which I just do not think is the case. I think there is so much opportunity in markets, especially traditional markets have a massive or a long, long history. There is a ton of room for disruption. And just because there's an initial player, especially in this brand game, does not mean that they're going to resonate long term with users. And so I just think it's an extremely important thing to note for uh, any entrepreneurs out there that are interested in getting started um, and building a brand, especially a DTC brand today. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly a comprehensive response. I appreciate that. And I and I also do agree with you there. Again, just really great perspective to have. And there's a couple things that you touched on that I'm going to ask questions about specifically here in just a minute. But let me start about personality. As a brand, you want to have a personality that has to flow through everything, including amplification efforts in what your consumers are saying about the brand as well. What are some of the ways today or maybe upcoming that uh, you and the team are planning to to amplify these consumer UGC efforts to push more of that authentic influence out into the market? Yeah, so as a brand, going back to the beginning of this question, actually, you know, understanding the why, I think, is your most important different differentiator as a brand. For ours, ours has always been, you know, our tagline is with your legacy. The underlying message of our brand, what we want to promote, is this idea of individual empowerment. So we, we did a really cool, quick, minute-long video of normal people that have pushed themselves to challenging points in their road and then pushed past that. And so one was an ice climber, which reached out to us. That blew our mind. And like you said, we're using user-generated content to then push back out to a Ventura Push Your Limits campaign to generate more user-generated content. As a brand, we don't want to spend all of our time going and finding people. We want to tell the stories of the people that are following us. And that's kind of what this Evergreen campaign has been about, promoting certain stories that have inspired us and then using that to really get this conversation going with the rest of our followers of how are they pushing past their boundaries? How are they, you know, challenging challenging themselves to be better than they were the day before? It's really this kind of evergreen message that, can really get this, uh, get our community sharing and um, sharing stories, and it's inspiring, you know, through and through. So it's one of the coolest things I think we've done to date um, with this evergreen concept. But in going forward, it's definitely user-generated content. We want to make the lifeblood of basically our marketing efforts. Well, and I look forward to to all of the the content that comes from that that continues to be amplified. And uh, I think just great job there so far. I do have two last questions, again, both touching on things you said a few moments ago. The first in relation to advice to entrepreneurs, to marketers, and the like. We talked a little bit about it so far, but I want to ask the question pointedly again. 
based on your journey to found Vincero, the successes that you've had so far, the tests and trials and tribulations that you took to get there, what might be some tips or some things that you've taken away from that journey, which you could share with our audience about how through that you've learned to, and I was going to say become authentic in messaging, but let's go instead with bring personality into the brand and in that way connecting directly with audiences. But We'd just love to get some advice from you on that topic specifically. I think that's a great question. Um, For me, I'll kind of go back to what we were talking about. When you're kind of giving advice to entrepreneurs, that's one route. You know, companies, especially in the E2C space, we do a lot of networking with each other. And this differentiation idea is something that comes up a lot. And so some advice I would have would be, it's so easy to just start doing things. Hey, let's launch campaigns on Instagram. Let's work with influencers. But your guiding light should happen way before that. In both answering your why, especially if you're if what you're working on is a brand um, and a, a want-to-be lifestyle brand, let's say, then that why is going to end up being hopefully the meaning that you're instilling in the brand. And in that answer, while it doesn't seem like work in the beginning, you're starting your company, it is the hardest thing to just simplify down and get on paper for yourself. Conceptualizing what is going to be the driving force behind your company will help all of your execution, all your marketing campaigns, your product development, the way you do customer service. It answers all of your questions, right? It is the prism with how, within how you will operate going forward. And on the other end of the spectrum, if you don't answer that for yourself in the beginning, you're going to be consistently asking yourself, is this the right move? Should we be working with this person? How should we be speaking to our audience? It leads to loads of confusion. It can easily lead to a confusion in when someone asks you, how do you differentiate from X, Y, or Z brand? Having that answer from the get-go, that needs to be your guiding light. It's what you revert back to and all the things that I just covered. And so... While it doesn't seem like the number one thing to do when you're kind of getting started, it is because it's going to guide everything else. And I'll tell you this, simplifying the personality of the brand and what you want it to become down takes a lot of thought, and it's really hard, but that's where you need to start. Um, And only you and the co-founders and the rest of the team can answer that question. And I, I also see it, I think this is a side note, but a lot of people will not answer that question for themselves and then they'll look to say marketing agencies or someone else to hopefully answer for them, um, which is another difficult route to go. So I would say answering, you know, what meaning do you want your company to have at the end of the day? Where do you want to take this? What do you want it to mean to the followers that you're generating? Answering that question for yourself should be the guiding light and it will make the execution of your company and its growth so much quicker as you go through this um, fast growth um, that you see companies are seeing nowadays, but it's super important. I wish I would have known that. It took us a while to really lock in that answer. Um, and so I think it's really important advice for anyone that's getting started right now. Well, there's not much I can add to that. So uh, folks, entrepreneurs, budding marketers, people who have your own brands, take advice from somebody who has come through and launched a successful brand and now brought it to the point where they are experiencing this great growth and building this amazing following. One last question for you, because I'm now curious. You you said before that you jumped between product to product before 
Vincero. And I know that there are many industries out there which will be disrupted, as you've mentioned, even some now that might have first movers and might not. What do you think is another industry or maybe the next luxury industry or who knows to be disrupted in this way? Or what do you think is hot? What's coming up? That's a good question. In my opinion, this B2C trend is just getting started. So I, I, I kind of want to hold back from pinpointing one market. I think there is so much more to come in the evolution of what B2C means for customers. And that's why we're so excited about kind of what we're doing and the trajectory we're on. A lot of people, I think, too, if they're looking for the next market that can be disrupted, that, that's kind of a dangerous perception to have or viewpoint to have. Because in my opinion, the brands that do D2C right, and hopefully we can become one of those, is essentially going to be disrupting what expectations consumers have with brands going forward. So very similar, and people kind of get this confused all the time. People will look at Amazon and be like, oh, Amazon's changing e-commerce. Yes, that's true. But Amazon is a distributor for the most part. Okay, so they are severely disrupting companies like Target and Sears of the world. But for us, what we look at, we, how we look at what we're disrupting is a consumer's relationship with brands. So if you can go back 10 to 15 years, consumers could not get that close to brands. Through product development, it was really hard to even have an effect on that type of stuff. It was hard to get close in terms of in-house customer service teams, you name it. It was just very disconnected because the brands were selling to the distributors themselves. Right now, D2C brands are completely reinventing the standards that customers are going to have with brands and the relationships they're going to expect, expect brands to develop with them going forward. And why we're so excited about that and why I think there's still so much disruption to come is the people that hold themselves to extremely high standards, whether it is service, whether it is value and product, whether it is um, crowdsourcing, whatever it is, they're going to be the ones that are setting the, they're going to be the role models in their industry. And other brands are either going to have to keep up or fall behind. Um, and so I think there's loads of disruption happen both in our industry and all industries that are already being disrupted by D2C. And I think that is an important thing to note, especially when, you know, brands right now, they might look at someone who's a lot bigger than them in the space and think that there isn't a chance for them. But uh, I just couldn't disagree more. I think this is still in relativity um, speaking super new. It is super new. And all of these brands still have a chance to drastically affect how consumers think and are will want to shop with brands in the future. And so I just couldn't be more jazzed on D2C and, you know, where we want to take it both for ourselves and what other brands is out there are going to be doing. Well, that's a great perspective to have, and, and I agree with you. We are at the beginning phase of this revolution of disruption for any industry. In the meantime, it was fantastic to uh, get your perspective, to hear your story, to learn about what you are doing as you lead Vincero through this first phase of disruption into this great market. Uh, I can only anticipate great things for you. Uh, and, and for now, thanks so much for uh, for chatting with us here on Authentic Influence. It's been a pleasure to speak. Yeah, Adam, thanks again. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much once again to Tim Nibo from Vincero Watches for joining us on the podcast today. We really enjoyed the conversation and I enjoyed taking in your entrepreneurial spirit. 
Of course, I hope you, the listener, too, have enjoyed. And if you have, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or leave a rating and review wherever you listen to this show. We love to see the feedback, and I'll be sure to mention it here on a future episode. If you're new to this podcast and would like to hear more, we release every two weeks, and you can subscribe to us pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. And you can also tune in at thevoom.co, that's V-I-V-O-O-M.co slash podcast. And in line with that cadence, I'll be back again in two weeks with another fantastic story about how another top marketer at a global brand is becoming more authentic in their storytelling and strategy every day. For now and for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.